Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Well, hello and welcome to this week's Driven Chat Podcast, where we are recording from an undoubtedly fairly noisy environment, depending on how brilliant our audio editor Tom has been able to die out the sounds, because we are sat within the actual auction house of Bonhams at the Goodwood Revival. I think as well, it's worth pointing out, that's the voice of John Marker. I'm Andy Jay, Amy Shaw right next to me. Hi. John opened this by going, well, hello, well, like hello in a very there. suave way. <laughs> and he's earned that today because he's rocking a three-piece, <laughs> he's wearing a tie, mm-hmm. and he's got smart shoes and a, yeah, and a sharp haircut. This is definitely the smartest we have ever looked as a team together. I think so. We should definitely make sure we get a photograph of us all together before yes. we undoubtedly get more dishevelled throughout the day. It's going to be, I think it's going to be quite a hot day today as well. Yeah. Um, You're the three-piece, I'm worried for you. Yeah, I can already feel it's a warm back, shall we say. <laughs> it's a, I don't know if we're yet into sweat, but it's warm. It's going to make returning this suit very difficult. Any, is it a hired suit? No, of course no. it's not a hired suit. <laughs> Of course it's not. For no. anybody wondering that is not familiar with Goodwood Revival, the it's reason why we're dressed up, well, I mean, we're not, we're not sort of in, in kind of the sort of suits we'd show up. I mean, Amy and I are not wearing clothes that we'd show up to a normal wedding in, are we? You know what? I no. probably would wear this to a wedding. It's very flattering. You know, it's this tight at the waist and then flows over the bits that you don't want people to see. And then <laughs> <laughs> it's... I, I the think tattoos. The ta- all the tattoos. Yeah. It's, um, I think... The great thing about the revival is that everybody looks elegant. Everybody's made a little bit of an effort, and you don't even have to make much of an effort to look quite good, actually. I mean, like <laughs> a bit of tweed, <laughs> you suddenly look quite good. It is true. It, it is a very smart affair, and I do like that the vast majority, and by vast majority, I mean, I think 
probably fair 80%. to say, I'd say 90, 95% of people dress up in some capacity. They're at least, you know, they're smarter than they would be on your average Friday. Yes. You see, that, that timing was terrible, John, because over your shoulder there's like four <laughs> normally dressed oh. t-shirt and jeans. From a photography point of view as well, it always seems to be the people that don't dress up want to wear the brightest clothing <laughs> or like brands or something fluorescent. And you just think, why? You're ruining my shots. But it's, it, what is good is that if you aren't dressed up, you do stick out like a sore thumb. You so, do, yeah. It's one of the only events where yeah, if you're wearing normal clothes, you look like the odd one out, as opposed to you yeah, walking down your local high street in a three-piece suit, everyone goes, oh, look at him, three-piece suit. <laughs> Who do you think he is? If you're coming to the Revival, right, you've invested a lot of time and energy to get here, as well as money. Yeah. Okay, because Goodwood Revival, unless you live, you know, 10 miles away, it's not an easy thing to get no, to. No, that's right. So why don't you just choose a few nice clothes to wear, too? I mean, we're not talking about, like you said to me, Amy, beforehand, go to a charity shop, mm -hmm. spend five quid, you'll fit in better than, you know, I was going to wear a shell suit and you wouldn't let me. Oh, I wish you had. Well, th thankfully there are a few shell suit wearers here, so I would I have blended I've lost in with track. them. So the Goodwood Revival as well, not only do the, the year of cars get slightly longer each year, doesn't it? Because it's everything from early racing cars, mm -hmm. and I think last time I was here, we were up to the 1960s. I don't know if that's progressed any 66 further. 66 is, is the cut-off year this year, apparently. So that means not only is the car cut off 66 but the fashion is as well so it means you do yeah. get people that are dressing up as if they're in 1910 and 1966 does which is amazing does the start year stay the same and does it just extend i, believe I don't it does. actually know yeah i believe it does it's it's whenever racing cars first started racing so there are some cars here from the early 1900s which is always just the most incredible thing to see and, and the revival as an event is just it's a spectacle from start to finish it's a spectacle because it's real raw noisy smelly oil spitting, fire spitting racing cars and it's a, it, it's a festival weekend where we get to see all of these cars being driven as they would have been when they were new today. There's also the backdrop as well though. Yeah. You know, it's not just the cars and the clothes that people wear. I met the guy when I was here two or three years ago who is in charge of the interior design of some of the stands and I mean that's, it's almost sort of movie level-esque yeah. in terms yeah. of the detail of what they put into it. I mean, you know all this, Amy, you take all the photographs of it. It's fantastic. The, the theming that is done around every single tent or every... The, there's actors that are running around and yes. trying to really get you into the the, the, the mood of the, the eras, I They've guess. They've all had a lot of coffee, those actors. <laughs> They've had a lot of coffee. <laughs> this morning I was distracted by a gorilla like walking past me and I was like, I don't, I don't a know how a that... Gorilla. A gorilla? yes. As, as in the animal or as in the... the the army. No, as in the animal. I mean, it was, a pro it was probably a person in the animal suit, but it was it was <laughs> a what? And I was like, okay, that's that's new. I've not seen that one. That's before. a short straw on a day like today, <laughs> isn't it? Is. Yeah. That, that's suddenly I don't feel like so bad about my very cotton suit. That's. Uh, <laughs> I remember, um, well, was it 2018, 2019, where there was a full steam train at the entrance? Yeah, that was cool. Fantastic. Yeah. For, wow. for photographs, yeah, from, I my, from my point of view, it was brilliant. But the effort that gets put into every aspect of the revival, I think there's no other event in the world which goes to this level of, of theming, I think. Yeah. I'm waiting to see what the, sh the sort of centrepiece is for this year. Because obviously, like you've pointed out, that train was, mm. was a big moment. There must be another one of those somewhere around. Wandered around here. No, well, we well, have only just keep an eye on the driven chat social feeds to see what they, <laughs> what it was, because no doubt we will have plenty of photos. Now we should probably draw attention to the fact that we, as we mentioned at the opening, we are sat in the auction hall right now of Bonhams. Mm. Now Bonhams come to Goodwood Revival each year, and they they tend to attract for this event some of the most fantastic cars. This is a really big sale event for Bonhams every single year. 
and some of the cars here are fantastic. I'm going to ask you both, before we go on a little tour, because we've managed to call a guy who's one of the top brasses here at Bonhams, he's going to take us for a little tour around some of the cars that we have here. What is it that's jumped out for you, Andy? What is, what's caught your eye as you've walked in the door? Well, the thing is, all right, this is such a dull answer, because mm. I know you want a car, but actually what's excited me most as I've walked through the door here is the variety. Yeah. Because there is a huge sweep, just like we've asserted with the cars that are racing on yeah. the track, because that's really, ultimately people come to Goodwood Festival of Speed and Goodwood Revival to see cars go fast on the track. Yeah. And period cars in the revival terms. And so like you've asserted, there's the very early race cars up to 1966. But actually just casting my eye beyond you, John, and beyond the people that aren't wearing the the proper clothes. <laughs> I can see cars from four different eras. Oh yeah, absolutely. And incredibly valuable cars to affordable cars. Where we're sitting is, is slightly more premium actually, mm. but, but on the sort of way in here, you don't have to be a multi-millionaire to have some fun buying something cool through this, no. through Bonhams this weekend. And so yeah, I've, there's a couple of BMWs in particular actually, John, mm. that, I, that I know you'll love and I'm like, ooh, Pinching yeah. my thumb a little bit of those. Yeah, the Z8s, a couple of Z8s here, uh, one an Alpina and one a, a BMW badge. I'm currently sandwiched also, between a Bentley Speedster and a Lagonda. <laughs> what is, I'm pointing to something here which you can probably just about see, which is probably the lowest, flattest Jag I've ever seen. I Amy, you're the Jaguar expert oh from, the, from its bum. I think it's an XJ13 replica. Is it? Yes, yes I believe. It is, it is replica, because um, I was discussing, um, you know, when it comes to replicas, should they be considered, you know, the, 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 it's, it's not a cheap car for, no. for a replica, it, uh, no, not for a replica, sorry. It's not a cheap car and you sometimes think, okay, why is it still so expensive if, it's, if it is a replica? Mm. And I think it's down to, it is expensive, but it's not as expensive as the original. Well, no, exactly. I mean, that, so replica, I used, I used the naughty word there. Recreation, recreation is the word, is the the word, word we should be using. Sorry. Yeah, XJ13 recreation, the estimate on that one considering it's not a real deal out of the factory OG car. Uh, it's still 220 to 280,000 pounds, but if it was real, we'd be adding about six zeros to the, to the back of the uh, Suddenly it sounds like quite a good deal. Yeah, and looking exactly. at it, it's a very pretty thing. It is. It's got a fabulous backside. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, what about you? Is there anything that's jumped out for you? I mean, I do love that Jag, but for me, I think it has to be this beautiful yellow 7.8, I think, Griffo. Yes. And it's one of three 7.8s that were ever made. Uh, I think it's the yeah right-hand drive. Um, for me, it's purely because I know it's been sat in a barn, not in a barn, in a garage for the last 40 years and never been touched. Not wow. out of, I don't really know why, I wanted to find out why the bloke thought, you know what, I'm going to park this up and never drive it out again. Because that's basically what he did. Yeah. Because, you know, inside, having all of the original things that he just left in the glove box, I think is absolutely brilliant. And the way that it is still patinaed and unrestored, but looks stunning, but I, I think that's got to be one of my favorites of, the, of yeah. the show. I think that might be a surprise, actually, with what that goes for. Mm. I've seen what it's asking. I mean, look, we'll, we'll see Giles very shortly. We'll, I think we might have to start there, John, and get him to start mm. that car, because you're right, it pops, doesn't it? It stands out. Guy, we're meeting. <laughs> Guy, I've, I've called him Giles, Giles. later. Giles served us coffee, easily, easily, Giles. easily mistaken. No, you're right, and, and, and Andy, you're spot on. The variance of cars in here is incredible. I've, for whatever reason, it may, it may be my newfound old age, but I have really developed a soft spot for pre-war cars lately. And 
there are a number Well, he turned of... 34 yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So happy birthday for yesterday, Thank you. John. Thank you very much. That's, that, that is true. Yes, would you believe? Um, but yeah, I, my, new, my new ripe old age of 34, I'm quite tempted by a 1934, conveniently, uh, Bentley six and a half Le Mans Tora. Yeah, it's, it's black on black on black. It's just, I just think they look fantastic. And I just have, I have romantic visions of me driving to the pub in one and, you know, just bugs in my teeth and that sort of stuff. <laughs> I, I, I just think they're fantastic. I really do. I have a new plan for your birthday gift, John. Oh. So I gave John a, uh, a Frankie Bridge book, the latest book by Frankie Bridge, Frankie from the Saturdays. Yeah, this is true, which by is the way, about listeners. This mother- is absolutely true. <laughs> this is about motherhood and pregnancy. <laughs> so I thought John would love it. But I've decided, John, from, from next year, I'm going to start giving you three digits of her phone number. So that by the time you get to 40, you'll have her full number. And it will have changed. Okay. No, I don't think it will. She's yeah. had the same number for a while. Yeah. I thought you were going to talk about how you were going to get me a, a, a Bentley or I something, but no. Surely you'd rather have Frankie Bridges' phone number. Well, I, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I mean, that. if you I... had a Bentley, Frankie Bridges probably would want to give her his, her phone, number, <laughs> give her his <laughs> phone number. I mean, that might be a quicker way to it. The title of this podcast, should we change it to um, Goodwood Revival with Bonhams and how to get Frankie Bridges' phone number? <laughs> Turn 40. <laughs> as quickly as you can. Brilliant. Um, oh, well. There's no, such a, an amazing range of cars. and. Um, I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's not just about the, the prettiest, most expensive. You, you go out, as you said earlier, Andy, on the lawn outside, and you think, you know what, I could, I could afford that. I could mm. maybe get something, or at least it, gives, it inspires you, I think. It shows you what people are, you know, are, are looking at and basically gives you a bit of an idea of where you might want to go with your own yeah. purchases. No, you're absolutely right. You're the thing is, if you were a buyer as well, if you were coming here, because there are some people Goodwood Revival's one of them, Silverstone Classics another, where big auction houses bring their best. Yeah. They, they show up for this event because they know there's a captive market and so on. And so if you were coming especially to buy an exciting car, sure, you're going to take in the rest of it, you're going to enjoy mm. the, the festival that is the Goodwood Revival. However, if you've come here, actually, I'm it for business, I want to buy myself a lovely car. I think you'd spend the first day, the Friday, just watching what the public are drawn to. Mm. Yeah, that's you know a what I mean. It's point. a great yeah. litmus test. It is. It is. Certain cars are being walked past much faster than I think they should be. Mm. Other cars are pulling a crowd. They're stopping and checking. And if I was just sitting here with, you know, a million quid in my back pocket, I might buy one. I might buy five cars. Whatever it might be, I would be. I think I'd be testing the water. I'd spend yeah. a day drinking coffee, watching the people. It's mm. a very good method, actually. But very at the same time, I don't know if I would go down that route personally, because the one that everybody gets drawn to. Is that the most obvious one to buy? Well, that's why I'm spreading my money across. <laughs> you know, I'll buy something that I want, something that you two advise me on, and then whatever the public are most excited by. Yeah, that makes sense. There was a lot of interest around the, uh, the Zagato Bristol outside. Yes. I'm not a lover, but... Bristol You're is a fighter, Amy. I'm a Everyone fighter. knows that. You're not a lover. You're the, it's Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney all over again. You're Paul McCartney. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that's one we'll we'll try and get Guy to to lead us on to that because that'll be a good one to learn mm. a bit more about. I know I know that it's rare. I don't quite know how rare. So we'll <laughs> we'll soon find out. Let's talk about what's going on outside this amazing tent because of course whilst we are in this huge it, it, it's I mean, can we call it a tent? It's like a mark, it's like the Millennium Dome, isn't it? It's absolutely <laughs> I mean, enormous. It's massive, it's a, like an your awful front lot of cars room, in John. Here. It's <laughs> yeah. huge. Just with less cars. What <laughs> forty cars in here? I'd say so, easily. Plus toys and memorabilia and watches and bottles of cognac and all sorts of wonderful <laughs> things so but that's just we are in 
what are we saying, 5% of the event, maybe oh. not even that. Not, not even, even that. that. Not even that. Half a percent. Let's talk about what's over the road in the main event itself and, and why the Goodwood Revival is so special. I'm going to start with you, Amy, because you this you work here, don't you, almost every single year at the Revival. Yeah. You've, you've been an official photographer here for many years. What does the Revival mean to you? This place, the minute that you step out of your car, you begin to get excited. You don't mean to, but it's, it's just the noises for a start. For a start, you'll hear the spitfires starting mm, up. And yeah. then as you're, this morning, as I walked into, into the circuit, yeah, you're just looking up and there's three spitfires flying over your head. And you yeah. just think, wow, it makes the hairs on the back of your neck go yeah. up. And then you're walking across the track to get into you know, the, the middle area. And there are people dressed up and you know enticing you to to just join in with the fun immediately from the minute that you walk in and you just think this is fantastic i've never been somewhere like this before and yeah. i remember the first year that i came here i was just a just a punter i, I wasn't working and i came here with my dad and i wasn't that interested in cars and i think if you're not that interested in cars you will still love the Goodwood Revival, oh, and absolutely. that will get you. Yeah. This place will get you interested in cars, and people sometimes, especially when you're, you know, uh, in your normal life, let's say, and mm. walking down the street and you see a classic car go past, and you know, sorry to some listeners, it might just be a slightly older gentleman that's driving mm. that car, and probably not very fast. <laughs> and then you think, okay, that is what classic cars are. Yeah. You come to the Goodwood Revival, and you see what classic cars really are, and what they can do, and that just everything about it you know I'm not even into the racing that much but you just see these cars and you think my word it's yeah. what a time to have been alive if you've got to see these cars racing period and I'm, I feel so lucky to be able to be here and see these cars still racing and I, I do hope that whatever happens with future petrol regulations etc that this event continues because this is the re this event is the reason why I fell in love with cars in the classic car world especially so yeah I, I can talk about this event for, for a very long time with, with pure joy Fantastic. And Andy, you, you've been to the Revival many times before. Oh, loads of times. I've lost count. I mean, like Amy, I've, I've been coming forever. And you know what? It's one of those things, I mean, Amy summed it up brilliantly there. But I would say it's one of those things where, for a very short period of time, in what ultimately is quite a small space in, on the planet, mm. this wonderful collection of like-minded human beings yeah. come together and just appreciate it. You know, people can talk about the good old days and harking back and all the rest of it, and that's fine and that's lovely. But actually, it's just a celebration of cars and cool, mm. and I just love it. There's, it's variety, it's thematic, it's, do you know what, it's a, it's a little piece of performance, actually. It's mm. like coming yeah. to the theatre. It yes. is. In fact, the be one of the best descriptions I ever heard, and this was from somebody that wasn't a huge petrol head, it was just somebody that had been invited, they got a ticket, and they'd spent half the day walking around and said, it's like I'm on a film set. Yeah. It's, it's like I'm in a film and I didn't even know yep. that I was a character. Yes, it's like anyone that's gone to Secret Cinema, for example. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Something like that. It's a massive version of that. Secret Cinema is a grand scale thing. This is to the power of 10 of a Secret Cinema. But unlike Amy, I do love the racing. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, and I, actually I've had some fun a couple, of, a couple of years ago. I'm good friends with Drew Pritchard, obviously. Mm. And a couple of years ago, he was the first ever person allowed to race a Beetle here. Mm. Oh, wow. And I was in his pit crew. <laughs> and that was a completely new experience because I've been as a punter, I've worked for brands here before and you know I've done all the kind of hoi polloi bit as well with the access all areas nonsense but working in Drew's pit, <laughs> Drew's not a great racing driver. Are you a great Let's mechanic? Oh, I'm an atrocious mechanic. <laughs> I was there. For, I was the bez of his of his pit crew. You know, I had some maracas. I, I told him he was going to do fine. Um, 
but it was just great. The access yeah. you get then as pit crew, you get to just hang out and yeah, you really smell it then. It's great. It's great. Yeah, I'm very lucky to have an official Goodwood photographer lanyard, which allows me to get access. Such a good got picture. Your photo as well. Thank you very much. Yeah. It does say access all areas on there. Everything. And like one of my favorite, as you're saying, being in the pits is something that if you are lucky enough to be able to get there for, for a work reason. It's fantastic. It's cool. One yeah. of my favourite races to photograph is usually it's, it's later on in the day, it's when the sun is just beginning to set. It's the driver change race. And oh, so yeah. it's about an hour yeah. long over sunset. And these are some of the most beautiful cars as well. And the bit where you have a car drive in and you just hear this like the siren going off saying mm. that something's you know coming down yeah. the pit lane. People are suddenly running out seeing if it's their, their driver. And then you know drivers are ready and waiting. And then they literally somebody will jump in, like one of the pit crew, unbuckle that driver, drag him out, yeah. <laughs> poor bloke, or lady in some cases, and shove the next one in, and, and just that pure chaos. And the crowds are so deep, and you just have to really elbow your way in to be able to get a good <laughs> shot. And sometimes it really frustrates me, but I also love it, because it's chaos, the whole time is chaos, and it's just the, the smells and the, the sounds, and oh, I love it, it's absolutely great. love it. Yeah. It's now, before, before we dive in and go for a little tour, before we collar Guy to talk us through some of our favorite cars, it's worth mentioning that um, you and I, Andy, have both arrived to the event in something quite special. Oh, yeah. Did you? I don't know we about it. birthday well. treats. Yeah, yeah, so our good friends at Partridge BMW, our favourite BMW dealership, <laughs> um, they've been very, very, very kind to us lately. And um, I mentioned uh, to our good friend Kelly, hello, Kelly, uh, that uh, it, this week is it, not only my birthday yesterday, Sunday the 19th, it was also Andy's birthday this week as well. I won't, I'll let you decide if you want to tell the, the listeners the, the age gap between us, I'll, I'll keep that. There is 35 years different between John <laughs> and I. <laughs> that isn't true, obviously, but uh, there, there's a nice round number that divides us, divides the two of us. But anyway, by the by, I mentioned that to, uh, to the lovely people at Partridge and they said, well, look, let's get you both a BMW for your birthday week. Yeah. So I have rocked up in what is undoubtedly the most comfortable, luxurious drive I've ever had to Goodwood in my life. Um, and that is in the comfort of a 740 IL, so the long wheelbase 7 Series, which is just, it, it's just glorious. It just <laughs> he floats really loves along the he road. Really does, doesn't he? It has auto drives, so you can sit in traffic without having to brake or accelerate or steer. It gives you a <laughs> massage. You can sit in the back and a footrest folds down and the telly accommodates your new seating angle and you can watch Dave on the, on the back seat as your driver's scooting you along. And then when you get bored and you fancy drive, you can get in and drive, get in the driver's seat. And it's, it's a brilliant thing to drive. However, Andy, we've done a bit of a role reversal because usually yeah. I'm the M ambassador. I'm the one that's always clattering on about BMW M's. And whilst my 740Li is a M Sport model, you've actually got a proper M car. I have got a proper M car. And this is the interesting thing, John, is actually we're probably in the wrong cars. <laughs> if you look at, if you, I would obviously veer towards a more sort of luxurious, I wouldn't be watching Dave. I'm watching, I'm watching Sorry, three men, four wheels Quest? on Quest. Yes, I now that, yes. I'm watching that on repeat on Quest. <laughs> Dave, how very dare you. But nonetheless, now I've got the uh, M8 competition. Oh. And now this is, a, I mean, it's a proper Grand Tourer. Yeah. You know, when I think of M cars, I obviously think of John Markar. <laughs> and I also generally think very fast, very loud, very sporty, but not often four doors. Mm. I don't think Grand Tourer. No, that's right. That's right. I don't know if that's just me being naive to the M badge, but I didn't sort of assume. No, that, that well, BMW did some 
quite curious things. So they launched, so of course, if, if I said the word coupe to you, you'd imagine a two-door car. Yes. Now, BMW a few years ago decided to launch a M6 Grand Coupe, which had four doors. And then other manufacturers started doing it as well. So I thought, well, I, clearly that, that definition's gone out the window. But yeah, BMW M cars are now more than just the little M3s that we used to know and love. They are the bigger, you know, you can, you can put the family in, in your M8 if you wanted to, couldn't you? I don't know, what, did you have a look at legroom behind? Is it? Yeah, I did. And actually the, the strange thing is when you look at it with the front door open, you think to yourself, there is no room in the back. Ah. That, is, that is 911 type room. Yeah. And then you open the back door and you go, oh my God, where did you get the room from? Yeah. There's actually plenty. I mean, there's genuinely plenty. I can't attest to what it's like as a passenger. Mm. I've only driven the thing. Now, I did have a little play around yeah. with the settings because I thought it's not right. John will be furious with me if I just <laughs> put it in auto, yes, let it I do itself, don't flap the paddles, <laughs> don't press the M1 and M2 buttons, etc. Well, I went, I went one better, John. I did my level best and I really had to dive into it and I turned it onto real wheel drive only mode Fantastic. as well. Fantastic which felt the most appropriate thing to do. Yeah. And it, it is fun. It is fun. I'm not sort of, I'm not an M purist. Mm. I'm not a, oh, BMW M series are the only ones for me. There are, don't be wrong, it is not a perfect car. Sure. It is enormous. It is a it's, big thing, isn't its it? Its nose yeah. is ridiculous. I mean, yeah. it is very, very, very long. When I first took it out with the relevant settings that I've just talked about, mm. I nearly lost my hair. I mean, if I was if I was a wig wearer, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have kept the two without wig. That would have gone. It's the acceleration is blistering, yeah. especially when you play around with those sport modes and things. Mike, I mean, you, even you would be excited, John. Yeah. And I know very little gets your pulse racing when it goes to fast, unless it's really fast. It kind of does. It does do really fast. And for such a massive, it must be a very heavy car. I'm guessing a couple of tons. It'll, it probably will be a couple of tons. But also, what you've got, the benefit of of the model you've got is you've got one of the last remaining truly big engine BMW M cars. Yeah. It's a 4.4, isn't it? It's a 4.4. I think it's 625 brake horsepower. Which is staggeringly. That's a huge amount of power. And the, the way that the it be the 4.4 litre V8 with the bi-turbo or the twin-stage turbo thing, the power delivery on those things is, is just phenomenal. So yeah, It's can, crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. And the noise is lovely. It's funny. There are settings where it's, it can be quite sedate. Mm. But yeah, when you want it to be, I mean, the word is weapon, beast. It is a weapon. It's a beast. You know, yeah. It is a beast, and I have I have very much enjoyed it. It's put big smiles on my face, yeah. But, but it's also very expensive. It is quite an expensive car. Would you, if the money was in the account, would it be one you'd consider for yourself? No, <laughs> no. Which is interesting because actually, when I first started driving it, I was like, oh yeah. Mm. Now this, I might, I could see myself buying it. I still have a bit of an issue with the look. Yeah. I just don't love it enough visually. Mm. Inside, it's delightful, yeah. but outside, I still don't think it's the most handsome car. No. And it's well over £100,000. Mm. There's a lot of alternatives for that money. And I know you probably want me to say, yeah, I would buy it. I wouldn't. No, fair enough. Even if it was seventy-five grand, I wouldn't buy it. Because okay. going fast is fine mm. and fun, but I like my license <laughs> and I'd need to keep it. Yes, that's a fair point. That is a so fair there's, point. So there's a big part of that as well. So no, I do, I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot more than I was expecting. Yeah. I was, a, I'm nev I've never been negative about them, but I've just not sucked from the M cup, yeah. as it were. Now I'm much more like, 
Oh yeah, no, I kind of get it. I it, get what you're on about. I'm really glad because it, for that reason, so that when I'm gushy about BMW M cars moving forward, you can at least go, yeah, okay, I, I do see why. I do, yeah, 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 and I'm, and I'm not sense. begrudging it either. I'm like, no, no I, I totally get why John is so obsessed. Yeah. Because if I was, also if I was a little bit younger and didn't have family, then I think that I think the 34-year-old me would be going, <laughs> find a way to buy this. Yeah, that's But that's you know, the 44-year-old me, ah, there's other things I can put into it. You know. Yeah, a massive, massive thank you again to Partridge for sorting with those cars. And have a look on our social feeds at Driven Chat. You'll see pictures of the cars. So I've turned up in an A740. You've turned up in an M8 competition. Amy, yes. you've brought more than one car to Goodwood Revival this weekend. <laughs> yes. I thought it was physically impossible to do. So did I. And when you hear about one of them, yes, it could be physically impossible. Tell us about what you brought along. Well, technically, uh, we came down with three cars. Yep. So, and there's only two of us. So we. <laughs> <laughs> so I came down the beautiful route from Warwickshire down to Goodwood through the Cotswolds, and oh, the, the sun was just. I mean. I say this as romantically because it was beautiful, you know, the sun was going down. It's because I was late, I was very late leaving. Yes. <laughs> so, but I've just had, uh, well no, last year I had my, my Mini, my Classic Mini had its engine rebuilt ah. um, by a fantastic guy over in Suffolk called uh, Chris from Classic Car, uh, Cla uh, hang on, Chris from Crafted Classics Tuning. That is a tongue twister. That's a tongue twister. And um, basically, I, it, he, he did a service and I picked it up from Norfolk, uh, well Suffolk from, yeah, this week, drove it down and my word, it was just the smoothest, sweetest. I mean, really? I wouldn't say watch the what speed. I was sitting on a comfortable 70 miles an hour on, oh. on, the, on the motorway, oh no, on the A roads down that I, that I did go. And just, about, I had new wheels and new tyres, so Pirelli have given me some tyres. And my word, they, they, they've made these tyres specifically for classic minis. So I'm like their tester. Oh, so they wanted me to document oh, nice my. Position to be. I, honestly, it's fantastic. I want to almost buy a classic mini just to get some just to get tester tyres. <laughs> yeah. It's because my. Probably my worth more than the car. <laughs> my, my partner Will came down in his, he's got a, a, a lovely new uh, 2008 Defender which is this gorgeous dark green, we've named it Nelly after the Explorer Nelly Blind. I've seen that on your Instagram feed, it's beautiful. Great, really. You need to say that about the Defender. Yeah, for, you hate Defenders. Yeah, that's, I really like that car. <laughs> and so he had on the back of it, on the trailer, a, uh, a, a, a 1960, I'm going to go three, but he'll probably tell me off this, 963 uh, E-Type and it was it's a beautiful car. And so I can't he, imagine Will telling you off for anything. <laughs> he's no, far he's, too friendly he's and lovely. Very friendly. But it, when it comes to E-Types, well, it's another matter. <laughs> but so that as a setup, the Defender with the E-Type on the trailer, because it was an open trailer that we've got at the moment as well, looked amazing, was really cool. He got a lot of looks going down there. But my aim was to try and catch him up <laughs> as, I was, as I was heading down, because I left a little bit later. So yeah, no, I was I was enjoying the Mini for sure. And uh, that was just, it's just a fantastic car. To be able to go down in, in the classic Mini, having quite a comfortable ride is something I never quite expected. It's, it's a luxury in a Mini, because I, as a fellow previous Mini owner, uh, yes, I'm fully aware that it can be not the most relaxing driver. <laughs> so it's not a 740 LR, is it? Let's, no. let's be honest. But it's quite funny that when, uh, you know, you get to some of these smaller, uh, you know, country lanes and you think, oh, I'm stuck behind someone a little bit slow. I think it surprises them when they're suddenly me going, bro. <laughs> I mean, my Mini doesn't sound like that. <laughs> but it's, uh, no, it's, it's, it's a little pocket rocket. It's it's fantastic car and uh, yeah, so, but the problem is it's not quite an off-roading vehicle. So when you're going through some of the car parks, I've got some <laughs> quite yes. big divots. Well, and some the, lumpy bumpy bits yeah, the car not parks the best. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, it's been obviously amazing to see you. We're going to go and now have a little bit of a walk around with these cars. And yeah, keep an eye on the Driven Chat social feeds because we are going to talk about a lot of cars. We're going to try and make sure we take photos of every single car 
that we talk about. I'm setting myself quite a logistical challenge here, but we'll, and Amy. we'll, we'll make Amy it even bigger challenge. as well. Yep, yep. Uh, um, I mean, rely on the ones that are going to be taken on my broken old iPhone for a start, <laughs> and then you'll see some beautiful ones from Amy on the website very soon. And if you want to have a greater look at what Bonhams are offering uh, or what Bonhams had been offering this weekend, uh, you can look at their social feeds. There's Bonhams one seven nine three is an is a, a, an Instagram account, or simply Bonhams Motoring, which is all one word. So you can have a look at those. But of course, check us out as well at Driven Chat. And um, as always, we would love to hear from you. And uh, so do drop us an email if you want to tell us anything, share anything with us, ask us anything. Drop us an email to podcast at drivenchat.com. But we'll now jump to a little break which is something we've never said before on the podcast and then we'll come back once we've found Guy who I've seen wandering around somewhere and we will collar Guy and try and steal him for as much time as possible to show us some of these fantastic cars speak to you in a sec The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital So we've uh, we've now jumped out for the tour part with Guy so Guy's going to show us around some of the well, I mean, where do we even start, Guy? We've got some of the most fantastic cars surrounding us, haven't we? Well, should we start with the Issa Griffo we've got here? So this is a uh, 1971 Issa Griffo. It's a 7.4-litre car. 7.4? So, yes, they put a 7.4 Can-Am engine in these cars. And uh, there's I love, a, that. I love that it's got a Can-Am, because that was the <laughs> racing series that got banned, because there was no rules. It's exactly. just brilliant. How many 7.4s made? There wasn't very many, was there? There was only one of three in right-hand drive. Wow. So oh, wow. It's a very, very rare thing. The other special thing about this car is it had just one owner from new, <laughs> and he put it into his garage in 1975 and hasn't used it since. That's so, fantastic. Wow. Discovered by us earlier this year, we're very fortunate to bring it to market and, and very excited to see what it makes for <laughs> When you say discovered by, I'm really intrigued because we know this kind of term now that influencers have brought to the world, barn find, yeah. which people are yeah. absolutely obsessed with, but obviously that's, let's do a YouTube video about it. Whereas in your case, it's, well, let's get this out, get this back on the roads and sell it to someone that's gonna love it. So discovered by means what? You didn't literally just unearth it in a, in a barn under a set. Something our chairman, Malcolm Barber, who's actually in Hong Kong at the moment, but he, um, he found it in a village near to where he, he's got a house in the West Country and uh, he'd been chasing it for some time and finally the guy decided the time was right and it was coming to Goodwood and it was here to be sold. That's amazing. I mean if you're selling a car like this, Goodwood is pretty much the place isn't it's it? It's the right crowd got isn't the it? The right crowd. Yeah. Amazing. One of my favourite things about this is that when you look inside the car, obviously as a as, a, as an automobile, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. It's going to be fast, noisy, insane. But as a piece of history, they've sort of left all that on the dashboard. You've got a bottle of cognac from the 70s. You've got a packet of ancient camel cigarettes. I think my favourite thing is the Kodak film, which the, is still sat exactly, there. That really will still work. That will be great. Probably will. And John's, what we'll do John's as well. had his eye on the black Russian cigarellos. Yeah, we have. We have. <laughs> We have. What we'll do as well, for the benefit of our listeners, we'll, um, up with today's upload of the podcast, we'll, we'll take photos of all these cars we're talking about so you can see exactly what we're talking about. So, what, what, we, what should we move on to next? Well, let's wander around, <laughs> shall we? So, we've got, um, we'll wander up and see this Lotus Elite, I think, next. And Lotus in the 60s, obviously, we're at the forefront of design. Um, this car actually has a drag, very, very low drag coefficient. You know, one of Colin Chapman's finest designs for Lotus. And this particular car 
was gifted to the racing driver Innes Island in 1960. Oh wow! As part of payment for racing for Lotus in that season. Um, <laughs> so it's quite a special car. Uh, the car was then sold in 1962 and then raced in the RAC Tourist Trophy and various other races. Um, so it's just recently been restored by a company called Hawker Racing or Hawker Restorations and uh, it's a unique piece being gifted by the man himself, Colin Chapman, Absolutely. to one of his drivers and then raced in period and presented today in this fabulous condition. I mean, it's, it is in fabulous condition. Has this been restored? Yeah, very recently restored by uh, Hawker Restorations. Yeah. Fantastic. And uh, they are fabulous cars to drive. Very, very lightweight. Steering is very direct and um, they're incredibly competitive and incredibly good in competition. Fantastic. And if you look at the curves on this, it is absolutely, it's beautiful, isn't it? it? Is. You kind of, you can see that's been that's been panel beaten with absolute perfection. It's just lovely. But it goes further than that in terms of design. When you look inside the car, and you look at the shape of the dashboard, and it silhouettes the shape of the car in so oh, many it ways. Does. It does. Amazing. You've got this switch gear in the middle, which accommodates your, I'm guessing, heating controls, which looks like a long bonnet, and that rises up to what would be a windscreen into the shape of a coupe chassis. So it's an incredible thing, it really. What is. year is this? It's 1960. 1960. So this is when Lotus are really sort of coming to the fore. People are knowing that they Formula One, yeah, front there. They are making yeah. race cars worth noticing. And and in this island, of course, was in many ways, I suppose, replaced is the wrong word. But uh, Jim Clark was the next man on the scene, and wow. we all know the legend Jim Clark. Absolutely. Um, and what he did for Lotus. Well, in this era, anyone who was worth their salt, 60s and 70s, was racing in a Lotus, right? Yes. That's, <laughs> that's what you want to know, really. Absolutely. Oh, I didn't shut that door Brilliant. very well, I'm sorry. <laughs> he, was, he was too scared to give it a slam. Right well, so, some, some cars, you, you are meant to slam the doors, and then some you absolutely shouldn't, and you never know. So it's always best to gently push, I have found. Well, I've seen three signs that say, <laughs> there's three signs around here that say, you break it, you buy it. Amy. <laughs> Brackets, Amy. <laughs> well. Now we're, I, I we're, love this. We're walking up to a car that, to me, is one of the most exciting things. It's not well, the most luxurious. It's not the most. But that is because iconic. of the badge. It is something to do with the badge. This yes. is. I bet you can oh, guess and what the it nose, is. though, Amy. The front of this is really cool too. So we've just walked up to an Alpine. Yes, it's a, it's a V8 Roadster. Isn't it? Alpine V8 Roadster. Um, so they took the Z8 that many people know was the car in. I think it was. What was the Bond film? Yes. And Say that again uh, for us, Sam. Sorry, what world is not enough? The world, world is, is not, not enough. enough. Is it Electric King and uh, all of that I sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah. Are. World is not enough. And uh, they sawed one in half, I seem to remember. That's right. But that was, uh, that was really the start of the Z8. They took a standard Z8, they changed the engine, and they turned it into an Alpina. And they only made 550 of these cars. This particular example has only done 18,000 miles from new, so it's very, very low mileage and a very rare car to see. It is, absolutely. And, and the addition of the Alpine, so Alpine being the tuning company for BMW, these were a slightly more sedate version, weren't they? Slightly softer suspension, slightly plusher interior, and that's it tended to be the one to go for as far as the buyers were concerned. 
Well, Alpine have always been, been uh, or Alpina have always been their tuning company. Yeah. So yeah. It, it would have been tuned for maximum performance. Absolutely. Fabulous looking car, fabulous condition, and an estimate of a staggering 200 to 250,000 pounds. Yeah, and it should make that. Fantastic. This is one of BMW's first automatics. And no, they've been doing automatics since the 60s, believe it or not. Have they? Yeah, 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 yeah. They did a 1602, I think, on an automatic in it. Huh. So they, uh, they've been doing it a long, long time. God, that's not what they saw without, associated. Without looking at the, the label, do you know what year this car is? No idea. What would you guess? Oof. Uh, Mid-80s. No, I would go a little bit later, 91. 2003. No, yeah. you're kidding. No, this yeah. is a, almost a new car. Yeah. I did not have that there. Yeah. It's yeah. The styling doesn't it's represent a, yeah. that, does it? It's turned into an absolute design icon, it really has. It is cool. And while we pass through the auction room, I will highlight that we've got 25 cars from the Stan West collection now. Yes. Stan West has built a collection of 25 cars over a number of years. He used to own UK motor factors. Right. So there's an automotive uh, feel there, I suppose. But we've got a variety of Bentleys, Aston Martins, uh, ACs, predominantly British sports cars um, that we're offering here at Goodwood this weekend. So Fantastic. hopefully we'll do well for him and the family and we'll have to let you know. Yeah, absolutely, do. absolutely. Super. It's so distracting also trying to do a podcast whilst walking around because I keep running off and taking photographs and obviously <laughs> just disappearing. So uh, I have to remind myself that no, I'd like to actually hear what all these cars are all about. So Andy and Amy? I have learned, I'm now I'm still learning about what everything is and I've been told that the way you learn what this Jaguar is, uh, the XK150 has got the straight-sided doors like within the lines, like the, instead of having a swoop over the arch and then down to the sill. Yeah. It's from a profile. It's straight. Ah. If that makes sense. So you go from headlight to to, to rear arch, and it's uh, the line follows. Well, I'll be damned. Yeah. I'm curious about what we're stood next to. So they're they're not just selling brilliant, very rare, incredible motors here. They're also sort of selling crazy collectible, well, pieces. I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I guess this is art. I mean, but I do you not want a giant bottle top, which is not actually a bottle top, top of HP baked beans? Well, I do. <laughs> That's why I'm curious. I wonder what it, it may have been a sponsor board or uh, some sort. Of, it would have been some sort of advertising to, sponsor. I, it, I'm not familiar with be? HP baked beans. I've not. No. <laughs> but is, is it meant to be a bottle top, or is that just the design that they chose? No, I think I think you're right. It's either it a, bottle a bottle top, top. or it's a um, maybe some sort of oil cap replica. Okay. In case yeah. you want to fuel your car with baked beans. <laughs> I mean, if there's a way that that could work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's one of my little buddies over there, John. Do you want to just describe what I'm staring at and thinking, oh, I'm, I think you quite like them as well. I'm guessing you? you're looking at the XJ220. Yes, aren't you? I am. Yeah. This one only has 400 miles on the clock. You're kidding? No, that's actually. Not many so miles. Been worn in. No, which, I mean, part of me is like, that's amazing. And the other half of me is like, that. what's so sad? Like, why is somebody yeah. just left it in the garage? But at the same time, like, that, 400 miles on the clock. I can go and take that out and put many more miles on that and it should be okay. And you can. still be alright. <laughs> and the interesting thing about the XJ220 is because it's a supercar of this era where usually other supercars of the same era are all fetching millions now. We're into we're into easily six figures. Yet the estimate on here is that at the high end it's five hundred thousand pounds. It's half a million pounds cheaper than say the F forty equivalent or I mean McLaren F one that came out of a similar age. We're looking at twenty million pounds worth of car now. 
guy, tell us a little bit more. We're admiring this. It's done 400 miles from here. It's incredible, isn't it? And it's still got the original covers on the on the rear of it. These were probably on during the 400 miles. So those are the those those are for the benefit of not harming the paint whilst you're checking your oil and doing other things. Loading it onto a truck on and off. So they clip in and out and they're they're very neat. I have never seen another set on an XJ220, but I guess it's just because this is a new car that we're seeing. Now, Guy, we were just saying before you arrived, and I wonder if you can answer this question. Why, why is this supercar of this era so cheap in comparison to its colleagues from, say, McLaren and Ferrari? McLaren F1's now of a similar age of £20 million, and yet we've got an estimate on here at the top end of 500000 Now, obviously, we hope it will sell for more, but why do you think that is? I don't know, okay. <laughs> quite honestly. I think they're undervalued. Yes. Yeah. I think they're, they're underappreciated. Um, Perhaps the engine, you know, it wasn't a V12 they put in it. Yeah. It was a V. It was a uh, the the Metro 6R4 V6 uh, V6 yes. that they used in it, which was, as we all know, so so successful in Group B rallying. Yeah. Um, they're they're a difficult car to drive. Oh, I shouldn't be saying that. No, you can. They, 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 they are a difficult car to drive because the visibility in yeah. them is so limited. Mm-hmm. Which is probably why, again, it's only done 400 miles. You know, there are some very high mileage cars. Um, the nice thing about this car, and the rare thing about this car, is it's left hand drive. Right, of course. No left. Very, <laughs> very good, Amy Shaw. Now, I have I've had the honour of, of driving one a few times. In fact, my old boss used to have one, uh, oh, still wow. does have one, in fact. And yes, you're absolutely right. They are a a pig of a car to drive, especially around West London, which is where I yeah, often drove it. Well, they're incredibly yeah, parking one of these is not fun. It's not, it, it's it's not something you even consider. Yeah, it, very it's wide, very it, long. Incredibly wide. And when you're sat in the driver's seat trying to figure out where your rear quarter is yeah, anywhere point. on the road, even if you're just driving along and you want to make way for a motorbike, it's horrific. It's How? the length. Yeah. And especially for a car built in 1993, <laughs> this car was probably longer than anything else Manufactured in that yes, era. Absolutely, yeah. It's How, so what, what is, long. Do you know what the dimensions are of the length? Off the top of my head, I don't. No, that's fine. But our listeners at home can Google it. I'm fairly sure I heard a fun fact about these. If you have one in China, there's a controversial uh, side to owning an XJ220 in China because it's so long, it legally has to be classified as a truck, which means you have to put on <laughs> truck number plates, which of course means that if you have the, well, the wealth to drive around in a supercar, you don't want to have a vehicle that has truck number plates. So it's this bizarre <laughs> quandary where you either say, yes, I've got an XJ220, but I have to show that it's a truck, when obviously it's not a truck, but hey. Can I just say, before we move on to another car, we're sort of talking about how difficult they are to park and drive and stuff. I love this car. <laughs> I love it. I think this is a piece of beautiful design. We've talked about the Venturi tunnels on other shows and things. The, the, the thing that's the reverse of an aircraft. It sucks you to the road yeah. and it's hidden away beautifully. I think this is an absolutely brilliant, brilliant car. I love it and I wish there were more of them out there. I think as a piece of engineering you've got to appreciate where it's come from. They race these cars at the Mon also, so yeah, yeah. you know there's a nice tie back into Jaguar and uh, Well they won Le Mans and then had it taken did. away. They did. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yes. I mean there's all sorts of stories about these. There they're, are. they're great. Fantastic. They're really so great cars. to see one. Are we we're staying inside? Should we, we, should we take a quick trip round and look just look at quickly at the Jaguar D type yes. at the top Please. and then go outside? That'd be fantastic. I was going to say just before we go outside I, I want to see that that D type. We just um, come around this way we pass Graham Hill, Graham Hills, Brabham. 
got a real soft spot. We were also walking past a 1930 Bentley six and a half litre Le Mans touring. Yeah. And just, I, yeah, I've got a real soft spot for these pre-war. Whereas I have a soft spot for the thing behind it. The DS. Ah, Beautiful DS. electric blue DS. My, my soft spot too. Is it? Uh, oh, yeah. Great yeah. minds. But I'd love a safari. Yes, <laughs> that would be awesome. Oh, it's got the proper... Proper so have, a look, have you ever seen the steering wheel of a DS? It's brilliant. The way it's designed comes out from the centre centre column and just the ring. I think it's fantastic design. So this car is um, being offered through the market to uh, owned by Bonhams, our online auction house. Ah, it's the new the new age, the new <laughs> age. Right, we're going to make our way towards the D-type. Now this is. Would you say this is the start of the show, guys? Yes, it is. But we can't forget passing four Lagondas that yeah. raced together as the Fox and Nickel racing team oh, in 1929 and were reunited together by their owners in about 1958 I think and they've been together ever since so hopefully I would like to think that they'll go to the same owner. It'd be that nice would be nice. Are they being together. sold individually or as, as, as individual lots? Cool. So this car was at Le Mans in 1929. Incredible. Incredible. No, this is gorgeous, to be fair. Absolutely beautiful. Oh, Look at the finish. But can this you has imagine been preserved and amazing. racing in this? I can. I have, I have been round a racetrack in one of these. How did that go? From a telly show. Uh, it was great fun. There's no seatbelts. <laughs> I wasn't driving. It's Marino's thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the fact is you're, you're kind of acutely aware when you're in one of these at speed, which you probably have been, you are very aware that there were drivers that fell out during races. Absolutely. If you corner in the wrong way, you're out the car. It's and the actually, old... you don't want to be strapped in because there's no, mm -hmm. there's no hands device, there's no roll cage. Yeah, you, right. just, you want to fly out That's the car. That's right. If the it's... car rolls, you're yeah. hoping you're going to fly out. And I love the photographs of the drivers who have one hand on the wheel fighting it through a corner and the other arm is just hooked over the door to stop them from sliding across <laughs> or falling out. It's just fantastic. So, of course, the star of the sale this weekend is Valentine Lindsay's D-Type, which many of us have seen racing here at Goodwood at the Revival over the years. We've seen it on the Milli Milia, and uh, it's an honor to offer this car on behalf of Valentine um, this weekend. Estimated at 900 to 1.1, and we're hopeful that we will achieve that for him. But it would be great in my books, as somebody who loves D-Types and Jaguars, to see this whoever buys it, racing it back over on the other Absolutely. side of the road. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is gorgeous, isn't it? Mm. And condition-wise, would this have been through any restoration guy, or is this...? It has, it has been restored or maintained throughout its life. Um, Do you know what I love? The fact that it's not got shiny paint. Oh, yes. It's like yeah, it's even, it's even the Italian flag is grinds like my gears when these race, iconic racing cars are restored and they're giving shiny paintwork which they never ever would have had yeah and this just looks great it looks fantastic it's black um and it's not intentionally satin it's just the paint finish mm. it's, it's as it would have been it's as it is it's i mean this, this is an example to race this yes. is this yeah. is not perhaps a, an example to show mm. but one to get out on track use do some continental rallies in it and get out and enjoy it i might be slightly biased but I I completely agree and I feel that anything that is restored shouldn't be restored to a point of shiny glittery. It should always have some form of element of uh, a nod to the, the era that it's come from, I believe. But mm. maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe restoration... I don't know, John, what do you think? Do you think restoration I'm, should be 
I'm a user and abuser, so I, I have no, I have very little time for pretty cars. I like a car to be, <laughs> I, I like a car to be out on a racetrack. And if it's a car that's been designed to race, then I want to race it. It's not something I want to sit in a in a marble or white tiled showroom for my friends to come around and admire. I want it to be parked outside for my friends to come around and drive. Mm. It's fantastic. Let's just talk about the practicalities of this, though, because as as you've asserted. This is very much a race car, it needs to be thrashed around on track, but if John were to throw 1.2 million pounds at you, which is a possibility before the end of the weekend, how, I mean, how, what would this be like as a daily? Well, would this be really horrible? I have a little more insight into this. I have done a couple of shoots of the D-Type and we have even gone to Tesco's, went for a little shop around Tesco. <laughs> I can tell you, the boot can fit in at least two bags of shopping, so I'm already, John, if you want, you think you about, about getting this D-Type, you can, you can do well. Sainsbury's is on the card. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You definitely have to do that selfish thing where you park over two spaces, wouldn't you? Because you don't want anyone, you don't want a parking ding on the side true. of a detail. Although it's quite a skinny skinny car. People true, I think sometimes true. forget how narrow classic cars are. I mean, we're looking at the, you know, the, the 220 Jag a minute ago. And oh, it's so just like chalk and cheese, isn't it? An aircraft comparison. carrier versus a Mini. Yes. Yeah. What's it like, I mean, in the rain? Wet. I'm worried about you, John. You know, if it's snowing and rain, we have. We've just got to speed up. Varied weather. <laughs> so, yeah, weather gear, you see, wasn't wasn't needed, and, and rain just flies over you. Yeah. Yeah, but if you're, I mean, John does motorway miles, sure. But I'm thinking oh. about if he's going through <laughs> the little town I mean, streets. I, if if I, uh, I think I might have to buy a lottery ticket tonight. So uh, just in case I, I can buy it. All you need is a little umbrella on the passenger seat. Yes. Well, so that's when exactly you stop it. In traffic, you just yeah. pop it up. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, this is this is definitely a car. The car to watch over the weekend, of course. By this pod, by the time this podcast goes out, you'll be able to see what it sold for. But yeah, that estimate again, the top end. I remember 1.2, so 900,000 to 1.2 million. I have a sneaking suspicion it might go for slightly more than that. However, in an interest of a quick sale, if John were to offer you 875 now, <laughs> cash, hold out your hand. Uh, yeah. I'm afraid we can't do that. <laughs> Right, should we have tried, a John. see what we've got outside? Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you for trying, Andy. I yeah, do listen, appreciate I, that. That was the sum you'd written down on this little envelope. <laughs> it's very inconvenient carrying around £875,000 in cash as well. <laughs> um, uh, That's why you've got your wheelie bag with you. Yeah. Does that ever happen, John? Do you ever get? Do you ever actually get cash offers coming in with, here, I've got the money with me right now? Yes, but it's in, in the client's best interest. I mean, certainly not cash, but it's in the client's best interest to, to um, let the car run through the set. Of course. So, should we wander outside? Absolutely. And as we, uh, as we go out the inn, um, <laughs> we, we pass an SS100. So, of course, yes. SS was Swallow Sidecars before Jaguar became Jaguar. That's right. The name was changed for obvious reasons. Yes. Um, but this is a two and a half litre car from 1937 and uh, they only made 19 of these. In terms of pre-war driving, I don't think there's another car that drives like such a modern car really? as an SS100. And everything is completely in proportion. Um, this is gorgeous, know, look at that cockpit. Yeah, yeah it's, it's stunning. It's absolutely it wonderful car. The size of the headlights, the wings, everything looks right on this car. So we're now venturing out into the glorious sunshine. The thing with Goodwood being in September, you never know if it's gonna be hot and sunny day or wet and windy and luckily it's the former <laughs> so what are we walking towards guy we're walking towards so we'll look at something slightly different now this is a, a ferrari 330 gt 2 plus 2 with patina <laughs> quite a lot of patina exactly a very unusual red um, it's like a maroon isn't it it's spent the most of its life in america and as you can see 
The result is beautiful. This car's got so much character. <laughs> I'm looking at the, the, uh, the paint corrosion around the petrol filler, which is, <laughs> just shows that whoever looked after this car for a long time just didn't really care about any wipes or... <laughs> it's just... Uh, this is a car that's been used, isn't it? it I'm is. guessing in a sunny state by the looks of the paint. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. But it's so rare and so nice to see one in this sort of condition because the majority that we see on concourse lawns or in private collections are so, well, they're, they're well restored. But to see one like this, one you could get in and use and perhaps another Sainsbury's car park car, <laughs> um, is, is fabulous. I feel that you, you know John has 875, so you're like, let's just, if we, we can't spend it on the D-type, let's, let's find something let's else for it. Out here. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, while we're out here, let's play a little game, if you don't mind. I know I'm surprising okay. you here. Yeah. Let's play a little game of let's spend John's money. Fantastic. <laughs> let's choose, I'm not saying the best car that you think is for sale or anything like that, I'm talking about the ultimate car on the lawn here that you think would work for John. So we're spending the 875 grand in one car or could there be a couple? Ooh, you can go for two, I think. That's all right with you, John, isn't That's it? That's fine like with me. I mean, there's, nice a couple, there's a couple that have jumped out at me. Well, I mean, you surely must be looking at the BMW already. Okay, so I think firstly you'd want the amphibious duck. Um, <laughs> oh, yes! Because <laughs> yes, that that's called Crispy Duck 2. <laughs> nice. Would be great fun to go to the pub with a few mates or try and get it down the Thames somehow. Um, <laughs> Pulling up a caffeine machine in that is yeah. a statement, isn't it? <laughs> as long as you remember to put the bungs in, you'll be fine. <laughs> Hello, Phil and Dan. I need 24 parking spaces. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And then I think I'd complement that with a 993 Turbo. Oh, oh yes, because that's a choice. you could get in and use that car every single day. And they're reliable, they don't let you down. Arena Red, I think, is the launch colour. Yeah. So they're, they're fabulous cars. And appreciating in value like nothing Certainly. else at the moment, which Certainly. is really exciting. Really exciting. We've spent his 875 or have no, we got anything no, left? I was going to say, we've But I just think we'll keep it, we'll keep it to three, shall we? Keep and, it to three. Uh, I think it would have to be something 60s. Um, I mean, there's a Mercedes over there that's getting some attention, which oh, the Pagoda. I think would be pretty beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're fabulous cars. Absolutely fabulous. And so elegant. They are, and, yeah. and to think that those hard tops that were removable like that, that was a design of the 60s. It was so advanced. Yeah. Um, fabulous Mercedes engineering. Absolutely right. Is it the Pagoda that at the, the end of the, the throttle, there's like a secret bit of throttle, you can push it down a little bit further, it's like... You get the kick down, yeah. <laughs> However, maybe a little obvious for John, so perhaps we should find him something else, because you guys didn't leap on it when I suggested it, and we've got car three to find. You've got your Porsche, you've got your crispy duck. <laughs> Out here today, from this selection, it would be the Bristol 406 Ooh. Zagato. Beautiful. Ooh, let's go and take a look at John's I do like, final car. <laughs> I do like a Zagato design. Well, I'm not sure, I love a Zagato, but I'm not sure about this. It looks a little bit... <laughs> My fun fact with uh, Bristol cars, as you, you may or may not know, is Bristol, the, the managing director of Bristol, I can't remember his name now, but he said very proudly that only one person has ever died in a Bristol, making it the safest car in the world, and the man that died in the Bristol shot himself. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> well, there yeah. we have it. Has yeah. nobody ever had about people must have crashes? But it's, sure. it's mainly because they're so rare. Yeah, there is that as well. So I've never seen one of these in the flesh, a Zagato-bodied Bristol. No. We've got the iconic Zagato double bubble in the roof. Wow, yes. That's cool. It's quite a square roof, 
I'm not it sold is. on this one. Are I'm you not? Be honest, it's a little bit hearse-like for me. I, ah. That's what I said. You see, I suppose, <laughs> for me, my, my passion and my interests come from something that's really different. Mm -hmm. Perhaps when you work with classic cars all the time, and I mean this with the greatest respect. Yeah, it has to. Yeah, it has to be something really quirky to tick the box. Absolutely. But yeah, that's to be not fair, John. Not, not many people are rocking anywhere in a Bristol. You could exactly. You could start a trend. This is my quandary with the uh, my my little prize toys. If I sell it, I always think, well, what am I going to replace it with? Which is as rare. This is rarer. This is rarer. Fantastic. Well, Guy, thank you so much for showing us around just a selection of these wonderful cars. Is there anything before we go that you're desperate to show us, or should no. we let you get on with your very important, busy job for the weekend? <laughs> well, thank you, all of you, for coming, and um, I hope you have a good weekend at the Revival. I'm sure you'll have a great time, and hopefully see you soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, you've got a couple of deals to secure with John, but we'll go and fill out the yeah. paperwork. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Actually, there's three of us, so we can all get them home for you, John. Oh, that's kind. <laughs> that is very kind. I'll take the duck. Good. <laughs> Super. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Well, there we are. We've enjoyed the very beginnings of the Goodwood Revival. We've enjoyed a beautiful tour with Guy from Bonhams. Thank you. Big, big thank you to Guy. Um, having yes, walked around. Having walked around, Andy, what are you? Uh, have you changed your mind? Have you made a decision on a particular car now that you've seen them up close and personal? Um, and we're imagine buying here. Yes. Well, I'm just excited we've spent your money, John, because it's <laughs> something that never really happens. Certainly not at the bar. So I'm pleased we've spent eight hundred seventy-five thousand. I actually think you'll still have some money left over with those three vehicles. Yeah, the I Bristol, don't the think... 993, and, yeah. and what was the boat called? The Crispy Duck. Oh, Crispy, Crispy Duck. Crispy Duck Two or something. <laughs> just amazing. Just gigantic. I'm not quite sure why I agreed to drive the Crispy Duck home when we bought yeah, it in 993. It's true. Surely I'd be but getting you, in that. No, you, the verbal contract has been signed. I'm yeah, sorry, but that, that I will have one. a lofty position on the road yeah. and water. <laughs> Amy, I think you were a bit taken with the DS, weren't you? I was taken with the DS. I mean, if I had to choose between the DS or the Griffo, I'm not entirely sure. I feel like I should probably stick with my original because it is a fantastic, beautiful car. But I, I mean, for the, the DS has always been a soft spot for me. So uh, yeah, I'll take either. Either. Either or. We'll either flip one. a coin. Yes. And you can make your decision. And <laughs> um, I have to say, that dark red XJ220 for me oh, is just yes. one. 400 miles on the clock. As you said, Amy, you could just drive it guilt-free, couldn't you? Because, oh, well, I'm not going to add, even if I do 10,000 miles on it, it's still going to be the lowest mileage XJ220 I love possibly it. on the road. It's I just love wonderful. it. I'm not sold on the colour. No? Oh, yeah. I like it a lot. I know you do. I'm, yeah. I'm not... With the 220s, were they all quite dark colours? Because there's some like, really dark purple, no, dark no. green ones. No, no there's, there's silvery ones. Yeah, the silvers. There's So Max, who I used to work with, he had one, and he still does, which is white. Um, but yeah, I just I, I don't think there's a bad colour for them. I really don't. They could, but just because they're so unusual, aren't they? They're such a radical-looking car and mm -hmm. so big. I mean, have a look at the photos on our Instagram feed, and it, it's going to be difficult to put it into scale. But they're well, we'll just... use you for scale, John for scale, John, a John for scale. <laughs> it's a John and a half. It's a John I'd and a half. It's more than a. Maybe if I lie down on the floor, would that be weird if I lie down no, on the floor in that. here? No, no, let's see what happens. Let's be weird. Let's be weird. Driven let's chat. get kicked out. Just disrupting the auction house. We were both invited by Bonhams and asked to leave by Bonhams <laughs> on the same day before we've even enjoyed the full weekend. That would be good. That I think it's worth also just telling our listeners 
that we've some really cool things to stick around for. Mm. You know, if you're not a follower of the Driven Chat podcast yet, and I know lots of people are now, because you don't, you don't subscribe anymore to podcasts, no, you follow you them. follow, isn't? and yeah, Which is it's very confusing, isn't Whatever it? it is. But if you're not a follower, can I say that this is a really good time to get following? Yeah. Because, of course, we are going to delve into the Goodwood Revival, and whether we bring you anything else from here or not, we probably won't, because it involves John having a lug audio around, very but I'm around. very confident. I've got quite a lot of conversations lined up for later this afternoon. Going to have lunch with our friends at Jaguar, which I'm looking forward to. Right. I'm reasonably confident these are going to lead to some fun opportunities for the Driven Chat podcast. Also, so this goes out on Monday, on Thursday this week, we are going to this wonderful, crazy world first event. Yes. Which actually, it'll sound better if you describe it, Amy. Oh, okay, well, the event is called Sleeping With Art, and it's over two days, I think it's over two yep. days. Yeah, Thursday, Friday. And the, the people creating it have brought together some of the world's best automotive artists, but it, it's not just automotive, it's kind of like the offshoots of the automotive world, and it's, I mean, I, I'm excited to see all from the photographers to sculptors to artists to, you know, all these people that are going to be there. It's going to be quite a special event. Yeah, and what I, what I love about it as well, actually, is that we do know that some of you that listen are younger than me which I would imagine that's 98% of our listeners but no some of you listen because you're interested in getting into the industry somehow yes that's right you know and some that's people right. will, will kind of show up to a Goodwood Revival type event because they want to be involved so they'll talk to mechanics or they'll talk to engineers or whatever and that might lead somewhere else but some people I know some of our listeners because some of them have stopped me even at, mm. at Caffeine and Machine because everyone knows we're there on a Tuesday to talk about it from an art, design or photography perspective because mm. they think that I've been, you know, trying to rub off on Amy and get some of the details from her about what it's like to be... Oh, God, that sounded rude. <laughs> that wasn't what I meant. Sorry, Amy. That was apologies. I, watched, I saw a face that I've never seen Amy make before. <laughs> I can only apologise. That was a slip of the tongue. Oi, oi, there's another one. That was not what I meant. You know it. But they think that I'm, you know, listening yeah. to Amy's yeah. photography advice and they sort of say, oh, how do I get into it as a yeah, car photographer or yeah. whatever? And actually, I think the Sleeping With Art exhibition, you're going to have all these phenomenal designers, artists, mm. etc. And I think if I was wanting to get into the industry from a design angle or from an artistic side, be that as a photographer or an artist or whatever, from a creative angle, and let's be fair, the faces of automobiles are changing now. Yes. We need new designers. We need people with new ideas because transportation is changing and transforming. And I think what we're going to learn and glean at Sleeping With Art, I'm guessing should be very interesting for those people that do email us and stop us at these events and say I'm 18, 19, 25, whatever and I want to get into cars I want to get into car design I want to get into car photography etc yeah. I think that'll be a really interesting one for them I agree I agree and I, I know this is only going to open a very very short window of time for people that are listening live slash real time but if before the 23rd of September 2021 uh, you have a question that is along those lines then just ping us a line or ping us a line anyway even if even if the event has passed because we are often talking to photographers like Amy car designers industry experts our, our contact book is full so if we can get some lovely questions from you the listeners that you would like us to ask on your behalf and fire them in do that via podcast.drivenchat.com or just slip into the dms on the social channels because we we're here for you guys you know we we you are our listeners and without you we're sat here having a conversation between the three of us and we'd never do that otherwise would we <laughs> isn't that how this started <laughs> <laughs> so let's um let's go and enjoy a day at goodwood thank you all so much for listening uh, we really hope you've enjoyed this 
As I say, by the time this has gone out, we've recorded this on Friday morning, so it's all a bit mumble-jumbled. We're talking about exciting things that we've not yet seen. But have a look to see at the Driven Chat feeds to see what we have seen. And of course, Amy's feed, my feed, and Andy's feed on Instagram. And we will speak to you again next week from that wonderful event, Sleeping With Art. Bring it on. Thanks for listening. Take care. Goodbye. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The very end and it's john markar here again reminding you that this podcast the driven chat podcast has now run its course and has come to an end to find the new format search the driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps thanks bye <laughs>